1: No one. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online show. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre here. We missed you guys last week as Nick was in Hoover covering the SEC baseball tournament. And now he's back in Gainesville, getting ready to cover the NCAA regional tournament. We will get into that on today's show. Obviously, the news this week on the football front with some TV times being set. There was SEC Springs meetings this week. Uh, obviously a lot going down from the recruiting front with official visits coming up. And of course, shout out to the men's golf team. Uh, another natty for the Gators. So uh, Nick, you were up late night watching that on, uh, on Wednesday as a uh, uh, JC Deacon gets it done with his team this season.
0: Yeah. What a year for them. Um, I mean, JC uh, hired by Jeremy Foley extended by Scott Strickland. Um, at some point wasn't sure that the job was for him and uh stuck it out and, and Florida sweeps the SEC championship, the individual championship, shout out to Fred Biondi, uh, and then and then beats Georgia Tech and had a great comeback on Tuesday night uh to to end FSU season. So yep. uh, just an incredible run for JC. Shout out to him and, and the golf team uh that extends Florida's run of winning at least one national championship, even though I think uh Mouse and the track team will probably uh, take care of that later on in the year, and in Florida baseball, obviously is uh, just about to kick off a run. Wait, tune in for the last five minutes of the show for that.
1: Although I, I, I think now we got to give an extra five minutes to golf as well, so uh, mm. we'll touch on them, give them some more praises at the end of this episode. But obviously, we want to start with football and the news that we learned this week, which was that some TV times have been set by the SEC and by CBS. Now, one of them, of course. Is no surprise that's Florida Georgia at 3:30 in Jacksonville, October 28th, and that's the final uh Florida Georgia game that will be on CBS, at least for the foreseeable future. The, that the goes only, over to the ESPN only ESPN in 2024.
0: Yeah, the only thing I'm gonna miss about that is the CBS game of the week music. I'm not gonna miss <laughs> uh five-hour football games because CBS goes like kickoff commercial ah shoot there was holding re-kickoff commercial oh no somebody got hurt commercial it's like hey man we have played (laughs) one kickoff and we are 35 minutes into the game uh won't miss the cbs commercials uh will miss the cbs football intro music that is classic uh so uh, classic but but we'll be the last time this year cbs 330 slot and uh It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, as we get into it later in the show, the schedule will be a change. In I'm wearing my SEC hat, which uh, will soon be vintage, Zach, uh, oh. missing two banners on this. You know, Uh, don't have Texas Oklahoma <laughs> on the hat yet.
1: That's right. That's right. Uh, the schedule is going to look a lot different uh, in the years to come, and like you said, we'll get into that with some of the stuff that we learned from the SEC spring meetings in Destin, uh, but we also learned the... Kickoff times for the first four games of 2023. All night games for the Gators, uh, including the season opener at Utah. That will kick at 8 p.m. on ESPN. And then the Gators have three home games in a row, 7.30 p.m., 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, all on ESPN, ESPNU, or streaming, uh, which will be the Charlotte game. But, um, Nick, you put out a thread this week at the Gators online message board kind of asking fans, Hey, how do you feel about these night games for cupcake opponents? No disrespect to uh, McNeese state or Charlotte, but, you know, obviously I, I think that, you know, we have our preferences uh, uh, in-, in the media, but uh, you know, there are some fans that are probably on uh, both sides of the fence. Obviously sure. the ones that do not like to be out there for a nooner in September, but also some that would, you know, if it's going to be a blowout game or not one of the marquee games, maybe would like a chance to watch some other matchups um, yeah. in some of those first weekends of the season. So what is your take on playing these games at 730, especially some of the non-conference matchups? Well, I'm going to straddle the fence because as, you know, I, as, as a media, put my
0: media hat on, um, I hate night games for McNeese, Tate, and Charlotte. Um, you know, by the time we're done with our jobs, it's 130. People already don't want to read about or listen to us talk about playing McNeese and Charlotte. I'd rather that game be at noon. Um, I'm not sitting in the East Stands getting baked at noon in in September, though. Um I also am not and God enjoying- bless the
1: fans who do, man. God
0: bless the fans who do. I'm also not like drinking and partying and tailgating and having an awesome time from noon until seven when I walk into the stadium. So our, our experience is way different in that aspect. Um, I also love the environment. I love a night game, but the Utah experience that you had last year at Florida, the Auburn experience that you had when the Michael P Ryan took off, you're not getting that. It doesn't matter if you play that game at noon or seven you're not getting that for McNeese state. You're not getting that for Charlotte. If you do get that kind of environment, something <laughs> went terribly wrong. Because the game should not be close. Um, so it was interesting to me because as someone in the media, you know, like we work for like four or five hours after the game. And then we wake up early Sunday to continue working. So like, I'd rather have a noon game. And I can do that work while I'm watching games. So as a journalist covering it, hate that night game for McNeese State. Uh, but I was interested to see what the fans take. And it seemed kind of split. You've got fans coming in from out of town. Yeah. Hey, I, a noon game on Saturday for McNeese State, I'll pass. Um, I have to take off work Friday, drive in, get a hotel room. If it's a night game, you can just hey, I can come in, I can drive in on Saturday. Take your time, um, driving distance. Take your time, no problems. Uh, watch the game and maybe drive home or, or find like an Airbnb for a night. I think it's usually you know uh, two night minimums for football season here in Gainesville. But I get that if especially if you're coming from out of town, a Saturday night game is probably easier and more convenient for you traveling.
1: Yeah, and and obviously, I think for the camera crews at ESPN, uh, they appreciate that these games did not get scheduled for noon in September because, um, man, it is tough to be on the field for those games or in the stands for that matter. Um, yeah,
0: but l- I, let me l- let me do say this too. Someone called it prime time, and I'm like, hey, dog, uh, ESPN, U at seven thirty is not prime time. No, <laughs> uh, SEC Network Plus for Charlotte. That's not prime time. That's like, hey, we had some really good games. We need to fill the other networks. Who's playing? Oh, Florida and Charlotte? Yeah, sure, stream that. Uh, Who's playing? Florida and McNeese? Yeah, ESPNU needs a game. Like, that's that's not prime time.
1: Well, speaking of prime time, it will be interesting to see if the Gators get a prime time or should we say a night slot for their home matchup against Arkansas, because that will be mm. the game where they debut the black uniforms, uh, which has come out since the last time that we had an episode, uh, something that we've reported on at Gators online. We knew that it was going to be the salute to serve weekend, but that official home de- designation was announced last week. So we now know uh, that that Arkansas game will be the first time that we see the Gators in black unis. And we had a series this week at Gators Online, Nick, where I broke down, in my opinion, five must-win games for the Gators in 2023. And one of those was the Arkansas game um, and put some reasons on there for that matchup. And one of them is, as silly as it sounds, the attire. I don't think that you can roll out black uniforms. And take an L. Uh, The last time that the Gators had an alternate uniform from Nike, um, it was at home against an SEC West team, and they lost to Texas A&M in those ugly, hideous, swamp green uniforms. Um, I will say in recent years, you know, the Gators have gone with some throwback unis and switched it up, and it's worked out well for them. Um, I think that if they lose in the black jerseys, fans will want to burn them and never see them again. That's yeah, kind of you ha- remember that what happened with the all whites, uh, you know, and against Alabama. Bro, so,
0: the Florida stormtroopers, little Star Wars you know, shout out. The Florida stormtroopers,
1: right. um, do you put Arkansas as a must win game, Nick? And what are some of yours? Um,
0: well, first off, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and comment below. I want to see or know what you think of black uniforms. There's like no middle ground, I think. I feel like no. you're either like black's not one of our colors get out of here or yes thank you I've been begging for this for a decade um so let us know in the comments here on YouTube uh if you like black jerseys and if you think that Florida should do them every year I think they will uh, unless they lose um but to me I think Arkansas could be a must- win game that's gonna be really tough you get a week off then you have to play Georgia um don't want to spoil any of my former or any of my future stories. Probably not going to pick Florida to win that week. Um, how healthy do you come out of that Georgia game? You're going to be facing a six foot three, two hundred and forty pound quarterback who can throw it and run it. Um, and then who's and you're facing
1: Rocket Sanders too, one of the best running backs in the SEC.
0: So tough game. I think you. I think last year and, and it was in your story, Florida was five and two at home. You only have six home games this year. Um, Arkansas is not a rival, but you need to make the swamp a place that's feared. Um, And losing to an Arkansas team, I think I just saw a stat. They won like 29% of their SEC games or something like that over the last decade. Losing to that kind of team at Florida makes it harder. I think this whole year is about selling the future. I don't Mm -hmm. know that the wins and losses necessarily do that. But like a bad loss to Arkansas at home in jerseys that some fans loathe and some fans have been like <laughs> banging the table for for a decade because if you lose to Arkansas in those jerseys, to your point, and it does sound silly. It's like it's because of the black jerseys. Yes. You can't it again, we
1: can never do this again. Yeah, because yeah. Billy Billy wants to do this tradition every year. Yeah, he wants yeah. to keep. He wants to roll with the black jerseys every season.
0: So. You know, get on your lawn and and shake your fist at the clouds. I think they're coming. I think they're going to be here to stay. But um, for me, must win games. Um, I think I think you when you first wrote the Vanderbilt one, I was like, that's weird. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <That'll laughs> <be, laughs> ah, yeah. things will get a little spicy in Gator Nation if if you have a losing streak to Vanderbilt. There is I no think...
1: way to have fans jump off that bandwagon faster than back to back Vandy losses. Uh, you, you you have to beat a rival, um,
0: whether that's Florida. You don't need to beat all of them. I, you're not going to beat all of them. I, I continue to think, and, and I, I might have to be talked into Florida beating Kentucky at Kentucky this year. Because I, I everything I've done, even in my the story I wrote a month ago, which was the best case, worst case, I had Florida <laughs> losing to Kentucky in both of them. And someone's like, Nick, that's your best case, losing to Kentucky three years in a row. I just hold Mark Stoops and his defensive play calling in really high regard. So, yep between Kentucky, Florida State, Tennessee, LSU, Georgia. Those five, I don't think you're winning in Baton Rouge. I don't think you're winning in Jacksonville. You've got to win, really, two of those three would be really good for Billy Napier, but one of those, and you get uh, Tennessee at home. I think that would be a must-win game for me. Um, I'm not big. I'm not huge on Joe Milton. Um, I think Joe Milton's trying to get, like, slick. I see him doing backflips. I see him throwing – the ball, 60 yards. And he's like, yo, this, this worked for Anthony Richardson. I should try doing some of that stuff. Um, if Joe Milton makes me eat my words, I will also tip my hat to, to Josh Heupel. Cause like I watched Joe Milton at Friday night lights when he was a uh, a senior in high school. I watched him at, at Michigan. I watched him at Tennessee. He hasn't been good. And if he's good this year, it's like, yo, Josh Heupel, you can figure it out with these quarterbacks and your system is friendly to them. I think beating Tennessee, especially because it's early, if you lose yes. to Utah, um and then you play McNeese, no one's really getting excited after a McNeese win to go one on one after a Utah loss. You need to beat Tennessee. Is it Tennessee is the next one, isn't yeah, it? The third game. It is. Yeah, you need you need to beat Tennessee. Uh just to not have that same kind of thing we had last year where it was beat Utah, extreme high, lose to Kentucky probably should have lost to South Florida and then lose to Tennessee. And then it's just like, then there's just no momentum the rest of the year. So I think that Tennessee game for me would probably be
1: my number one must win of the year. And I agree with you. That's what I had number one on my list. I was between that or Kentucky. um, And and to me, I put those as one and two, because I also think Mm -hmm. those are going to be the hardest ones for Florida to win. Um, And my thinking and reasoning behind my list was just, um, you know, perception is reality. Right. And I think that, you know, Florida's obviously, you know, f- fell off. They've had some down years. And I, I think SEC supremacy is is important to them. Um, the pecking order has been changed in the last five years. Thanks to Kentucky. They beat four to three out of the last five years. They should have beat them in 2017, almost beat them in 2019. I mean, they've had Florida's hands. So to me, that pecking order has changed. I ranked at Vanderbilt. um, Let's see, I I went uh, Vanderbilt was the first one, um, and then I went South Carolina, then I went Arkansas, number three, Kentucky, and then Tennessee, number one. To me, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Arkansas, those are three teams that just based on history, Florida has dominated. Like they have, you know, they have been the better team, and to me, you cannot afford to lose to, to any of those teams um, and have that change. You've already kind of had Kentucky surpass you in the division. Mm. you can't have South Carolina catch you or Vanderbilt catch you. Um, and then with Arkansas they're not in the in the east obviously, but you know the Gators have pretty much uh, dominated uh, Arkansas every time that they've played them, I think since 1995 they've won every game except 2016 and that was a game where, Luke Del Rio, you know, uh, hurts his shoulder in that game and ends up being a season-ending injury. I think that contributed a lot to that loss. So, I think that Arkansas comes to the swamp, like you said, Nick. It's going to be tougher for Florida to get, uh, you know, some marquee wins there at home. So, to me, you got to get that win against the Razorbacks, you know, with the black uniforms as well, just so that you can have. A Saturday in the swamp where you get a big win, you know, you can bring the recruits out because I think that's going to be a huge recruiting weekend, Arkansas, you, just because of the black. Florida, yeah,
0: Florida doesn't like to do like officials and stuff, but you want the recruits to see those black uniforms. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, another point that I just thought of too is there was a massive narrative in the fan base that Billy should not call plays. If Mark, if you go up to Lexington and Mark Stoop shuts down your offense, That's only going to get louder. Hey, you're doing too much. You can't be the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback's coach. You got too much on your plate. We're done with you. Hire an offensive coordinator. Like I already see that. I'm already my eyes are already burning, reading that on the message board. That's another thing, too, with that with that Kentucky game. Even if you lose, don't lose 14 to (laughs) 3. Yeah. Losing a shootout to, to you know to to Stoops and Leary. Uh, up there in lexington. But I think that's something else too when you when you talk about perception and reality. I think Billy Napier could be a good play caller. Um he did not create that perception among the fans last year. And if you have an early season loss at or uh, two Tennessee at home and the offense doesn't look good. And then one another one where Mark Stoops has and it's not just Billy. Mark Stoops dominated Dan Mullen and, and coached circles around Dan Mullen who's thought to be a great X's and O's guys. And as much as I've had to say about Dan Mullen Always will tip my cap. Saturdays, X's nose, draw him up. He's got that. And Mark Stoops
1: found ways to coach circles around him. They didn't get more yards than him, though. They did get more yards. (laughs) And that's, I mean, Kentucky is an interesting uh, case because it's like they had, you know, the second best defense in the SEC last season and then the worst offense. They had the worst offense in the SEC, uh, despite having Will Levis and Rodriguez, but, They replaced both of those guys um, with two transfers in Devin Leary and uh, Ray Davis from Vanderbilt, who was a stud last season. So, um, look, that trip to Lexington is going to be tough. I think Tennessee at home is going to be tough. Josh Heupel's got that program uh, rolling right now. But it's going to be easier to beat the Vols at home than it is to beat Jordan Travis and Florida State. And I think that's just the reality. And um, I think if Florida can win these five games that I laid out, and they win their non-conference matchups, that's at least seven wins. At the very least, if they take care of business in these games, they finish above 500, which they haven't done since 2020. They get a win over a rival at home, and I I think that they at least try to get themselves back to where they feel like they belong in the SEC East, which is Mm -hmm. right now you want to be right behind Georgia. Um, And I think in recent years, Kentucky and Tennessee have had something to say about that. So. Uh, sticking with the SEC, uh, obviously we had SEC spring meetings this week in Destin. Uh, All in three was out there, uh, Jesse Simonton and a lot of other guys to see what the league coaches and commissioner had to say. Um, NIL was a topic, eight, nine game schedules was a topic, um, a lot of things addressed. You know, Nick just kind of following along with the coverage, hearing some of the things that Billy had to say, what were your takeaways from the week and Uh, It doesn't sound like a lot of things got settled in Destin, but uh, opinions were had.
0: Yeah, well, today um, they decided that they will stick to an eight-game schedule in 2024, which will be the first year that Texas and Oklahoma join. Um, An eight-game schedule means um, if they stuck with an eight-game schedule, that would mean only one permanent opponent. So you get Georgia. Um, Mm. Every other year, you'd play Tennessee. Every other year, you'd play LSU. Um, you know, things like that. So the eight game schedule, I've been staunchly against it. Um, there, they continue to kick the can down the road before they figure something out. If you remember though, uh, when, when A&M and Missouri joined, they didn't really figure out the scheduling either. And they kind of just threw things together and it's led to, uh, that and COVID have led to Florida going to Texas AM and three times with Georgia never having made a trip. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and they've been in the league for a decade now. Um, so the sec with the scheduling, I I think it's terrible to, to lose some of these non-traditional or some of these traditional rivalries. And I think Greg Sankey said they're gonna do their best to do it. Um, but you, you just got to figure it out. Like Texas and Texas A&M need, that needs to be a, a yearly game. Um, Auburn and Tennessee or Auburn and Georgia, excuse me. They have to play Auburn and Alabama have to play. Like there's so many games that have to happen. I think Florida, Tennessee needs to happen. Florida, Georgia needs to happen. Um, if you're an older fan listening to our show, you're probably screaming at, at the screen right now saying Florida Auburn needs to happen. That was a, um, a historic rivalry between two of the teams who've been in the SEC the longest. So I think that's a bummer um, in, in terms of scheduling, but we'll see what they do in 2025 and, and, and on. And, um, you know, I'm pretty excited about potential matchups with Florida, Oklahoma, Florida, Texas. Mm. I mean, going back playing NCAA football, Like Florida, Texas, Florida, Oklahoma, Florida, USC. Those were games that I scheduled, (laughs) you know, when you're in dynasty mode. Um, I'm (laughs) excited to see those. And and Zach, we're going to have a good time in Austin whenever that game does happen.
1: Oh, man. I can't wait. Austin's a a, a fun place. That'll be, that's definitely a mandatory trip, I think, for a lot of Florida fans. And um, speaking of SEC expansion, that was a topic not only uh, at SEC spring meetings, but at the on three NIL elite series event in Nashville, which we will get into on this show because the Gators commit was there and some targets, but Kirk Herbstreet um, was there was a speaker and kind of, you know, made some waves with his comments talking about basically uh, you know, the two power conferences, the sec and the big 10 kind of pulling away from the sec, creating their own league, having one commissioner and then having basically players, uh, negotiate a collective bargaining agreement so that they can become employees and this is something that a lot of um you know a lot of uh college football es- experts have suggested and predicted but now to have somebody like Kirk Her- street put that out there um i thought that it was a, a pretty resounding statement it would have been interesting to you know maybe get some opinions from uh sec coaches this week but uh, greg sankey did say that you know SEC expansion is not on the forefront uh, right now but i don't think that they are done with just Oklahoma and Texas Nick i think that in the cool. years to come we're going to see more well on this very show just about a year ago Scott Strickland told us
0: um yep. and at the time we were like wait that's weird um that he he really sees that uh let's let's call it that these are my words not his of course Scott for listening my words um uh, let, let's say that the power five, there's three of them that aren't pulling the same kind of weight. And he saw, you know, in the future, being more of a power two with the SEC and the big 10. So if you're listening to the show, that's something we talked about last June <laughs> yeah, um, with, with, with Scott Strickland. So uh, kind of interesting to see how it, how it has played out. And listen, you've got FSU's president whining to the ACC that like, Hey, Maryland's not bringing in money or not Maryland. Uh, uh, Georgia Tech's not bringing the same kind of money that we are. We need a bigger cut. Um, and there's just a bunch of poor conferences picked <laughs> up, you know, the Big 12. Uh, my my old school, UCF, the big, like, the UCF super hi- super hyped to go to the Big 12. And then when you look at what the Big 12 is at, you're like, oh, that, they suck. Like, that's, yeah. not, that's not a conference. I'm excited. That's about. not the Big 12 we knew. That's not the Big 12 anymore. Um, you look at the Pac 12. Who cares about the Pac 12 with, you without USC and UCLA? Like, I'm not getting up for Washington-Stanford uh, at, at, at 8, 9, 10, a 10 p.m. kickoff for Washington-Stanford. Thank you. No, thank you. Um, so I do think you'll see the SEC and in, in the Big 12 start to take some teams. Big 10. Big 10, sorry. Uh, and the Big 10 start to take some teams. And I don't think it will be like the Big 12, just taking a UCF and smaller schools. They're going to go, and they're going to go into the ACC and take Clemson, uh, FSU, Miami. They might go and grab um, you know, in, in Oregon. You're gonna have some Notre Dame. Like you're gonna have some weird it's gonna be weird to call it the Southeastern Conference when you have like well, here it already is. You have Missouri and, and, and Oklahoma, which is not southeast in the slightest. Um uh, I mean, do you, you see
1: got, it to to where it would be like um if it gets set up like the NFL it would be like 16 teams on that's the SEC side and then 16 yeah. teams are the Big Ten side and played out like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so funny to see because we've written, I've written, I think three stories about the scheduling. Um, I've been trying. The next story I'm passing off to you because I'm done writing (laughs) about it. But then people today and this week were like, "Oh my gosh, what kind of divisions do you think they're going to have?" It's like, "Hey, bro, I've written it three times. They're not doing divisions. It's going to be one through sixteen in the SEC, and there is no SEC West. There is no SEC East. Like that's done with. That's already gone." Uh, it came out again today and people were like, what do you mean there's no more SEC East? And I'm like, ah, sheesh, uh, this has been a long time coming. So you're going to lose divisions as well. Um, yep. Jim McEwing can't hang up those SEC East championship banners on the walls <laughs> anymore. Those um, rings. Yeah, yeah. No SEC East rings anymore. So I, I do see it going to more of a professional model. And, and And it's just because you're paying, you're getting, there's so much money in TV. Uh, The TV is paying the conferences so much money, which in turn, the conferences are paying the coaches money. Um, And now the players are making money and the TV wants the best matchup. So you're going to end up going to nine SEC games because that's more money, more audience for the for the network. Um, I do see it getting to like an NFL model. You might have a 20 team SEC at some point down the line. Um, hmm. And then maybe go back to an SEC East and West, and it's a 10, 10 and 10, or you have different divisions. You know, if you've got 20 teams, we've got four different divisions of five, and we're going to have our own playoff from the SEC that will go up against the winners of the four divisions in the Big Ten. And now we don't Ooh. need the Pac 12 and we don't need the Big 12. We're going to have the best teams in these two conferences, and they're going to do their own
1: playoff. Those, those conferences and teams almost become like you know, how we look at division two teams or, yeah, I mean, you know. they're
0: insignificant. They're, they're, they're insignificant. Yeah. When you, when you start talking about what the big 10 and what the sec could potentially do, the PAC 12, um, the PAC 10, whatever, however many teams they're going to have, those other conferences are going to be ins- insignificant compared to what the big 10 and the sec are growing into.
1: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out in, in the future, and, and we'll also get into some of the NIL that came from SEC spring meetings uh, in the next segment. But want to give a shout out real quick to our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Prairie Dental Center. The doctor is a UF grad who's practiced in Gainesville for three decades and has developed a deep understanding of how to diagnose and treat various dental problems along with advanced skills and knowledge to provide more effective and efficient care to his patients. If you're having dental concerns or just need a cleaning, Prairie Dental Center offers a wide range of personalized care options to meet your individual needs. Give their office a call at 352-373-3431. Tell them Gators Online sent you and your new patient exam will be free. Now, we mentioned this earlier in the show, but uh, the inaugural on three NIL elite series event took place in Nashville, a really, really cool event that was put on by Shannon Terry and his staff at on three and all that they're doing on the NIL front. And uh, one of those guys that got to take part in that was DJ Lagway. He was uh, there in Nashville for the week, got to hear from guys like Kirk Herbstreet, Olivia Dunn, um, just a series of speakers that they um, had to kind of visit with these you know, the top prospects in the class of 2024 about how to capitalize on their NIL and kind of their future. So now a lot of cool content came out of that, but also some recruiting content as well. Shout out to Keith Niebuhr. He was there and brought a bunch of juice uh, on the UF recruiting front at Gators online. So make sure that you guys are, are checking that. But, um, I, Nick, I thought that that was a cool event and obviously for DJ Lagway to be out there, um, just another, uh, you know, reason for him to kind of be out there front and center uh, as part of this Gators class.
0: Yeah, um, some other five stars out there. There uh, yeah. my Smith, Colin Simmons. I'm sure DJ Lagway's in, in their ears, but I think this is an important thing. Uh, and what Shannon Terry's doing is trying to see where the NIL market is going, but, but make sure the players are informed. And I think the big thing with this event is, is educating the players, um, high school athletes who haven't gotten this. And some of them are getting crazy numbers thrown around them and it's, Hey, listen, don't get taken advantage of. We're going to help educate you. Um, and I think the guest speakers, they had Kirk Herbstreet and Tom Hart, um, Libby Dunn from LSU. Uh, she has been dominating (laughs) the NIL space. Um, probably in this got of sports figures.
1: illustrated. I mean,
0: so somebody who has done it. So I think it's a great event um, and it, it puts the athletes first. And I think that's what uh, we hear it on three. And what Shannon is trying to do is, is put the athletes first when it comes to NIL for so long. Uh, coaches have been getting paid millions of dollars and then being able to leave and athletes and the athlete was just kind of
1: stuck there and be happy with your room and board uh, and your tuition. <laughs> yeah. And, and obviously this is, this has completely changed the sport, and I think for these guys to have an opportunity to, to kind of be educated by some of the influencers in this space, um, you know, kudos to to On3 for putting this on. I know Nick and I are kind of happy to be a part of it, and uh, sticking with NIL, uh, we got some more news on that front this week as Florida Victorious has surpassed its 2 million match goals, so that means... There's now $4 million that are going to be available in NIL funds uh, for Florida Athletics and uh, specifically for the Florida football team because I, I think that it's important, Nick, I, that we point out, I mean, every year you're probably going to have to have about 4 or $5 million uh, bare minimum just to be able to fund your roster. and um, You probably need that to can to keep your roster yes. intact. Well, and, and, and on that point, more. from SEC spring meetings, we heard, and it's no surprise, but Billy came out and said, yo tampering is real and it's happening and i think uh obviously uh the efforts that that have been kind of put forth by Fort of victorious is how you prevent that from um you know programs being able to come in and poach your players tamper harder baby allegedly of course (laughs) but this is obviously nick i think you know we've spoke about Fort of victorious before but you know this is more steps in the right direction they're still not there yet They're, they're still I think kind of figuring this out and getting to a space where they feel like they can have success. But um, I think this is impressive that they've gotten here and the timing of this could not be better, uh, which we'll get into.
0: Yeah. It's no coincidence that they, um, that they were at every single spring speaking tour for Billy Napier. Uh, Billy Napier brings a crowd and Hey, we need to educate people. Um, Whether they didn't know the NIL, they thought NIL was cheating or they didn't trust the Gator collective, the previous entity before it. We need to let you know that this is professionally run. This is where the money's going. And if you want to continue to cheer, whether you like paying players or not, if you want to continue to cheer for the best roster and for the Gators winning football games, this is an investment that has to be made. Yeah. If it's not made, where Florida is not going to compete with other schools. Um, And let's
1: be honest, the Gator Collective, (laughs) you know, tried to get results like this. I don't, you know, I don't think they ever uh, put out anything that was like a $2 million match, but you know, they, they wanted obviously funds to come from fans and um, I just don't think we're organized enough yet. And then certainly, you know, had the partnership to the level yet with the university where that could really be promoted to the fans. And I feel like with Florida victorious, it has been promoted. Like it's, it's much more out there in the forefront, and I think that um, fans and boosters of people that can contribute are much more aware of it, which is why they've been able to hit this 2 million mark so quickly, and I think that it's only going to continue to grow from here just because of kind of the setup that they've put in place. So definitely important for them, and, and obviously with the weekend that we have coming up and the month ahead, uh, this is a critical time for UF Recruiting. Uh, official visits are about to start up. Um you know, it's interesting, Nick. We we've seen kind of Billy's recruiting strategy and some of the ways that they go about bringing guys to campus. And you know, Billy has said, and, and as well as Katie Turner, that they kind of steer we, uh, uh, steer away from in season official visits. You kind of already mentioned that in this episode, but. Um, I think Billy had said that they already have 45 official visits scheduled for the summer. Just for June. Just for June. Just
0: this month, yeah. Just
1: this month. And and granted, they can only have 56 for the whole calendar year. So they're only going to have 11 left after this month. Um, But it just goes to show you that, like, this is their recruiting time. This is when things heat up. And some of the names and targets that are coming to campus um, are going to go a long way in determining how great this class can be.
0: Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see. So uh, just quick, I have a bunch of people ask me this Um, players can take unlimited official visits, but as you said, and you've confirmed with Florida, just 56 for universities. So it shows you the the experience that they want to have and provide, they can't give during a football week. Mm -hmm. Um, They can't spend time. If you're, you won't see the coach, you know, for a 7.30 McNeese game, you won't see Billy Napier until 11.45 p.m. Uh, after the game. So they will, they like to do that when they have more time. And you can see Katie and Bree and, and see the players and, and have a host and go out and, and see Gainesville, um, sit down and, and chalk talk with, with, with Napier or with Corey Raymond, your position coach. Um, they really like doing this. So Florida will get most of their official visits in June, in this month. Um and then I think you'll have a couple, you know, for those guys that are waiting till that won't sign early. And, you, and you've got yep. to kind of keep a couple in your pocket to be able to have that, you know, that leftover four star, that, that, that signing, you know, in, in the, uh, the old signing day, uh, in, <laughs> signing day. So it, it's, it's a good, this is their approach. I, I, I agree with it. Cause I don't really love an official visit for games, you know, and if the game is big enough in the team, if your team is big enough for will come. uh, yeah. People showed up to the LSU game last year. Place was packed. They came. Uh, and, and they weren't using official visits to get
1: it. And that'll be the case with Arkansas. That'll be the case Florida with State. Florida State. Um, Tennessee. They'll find a way to get guys to campus. And certainly that's going to take place this weekend. Um, I think now the, the the visitors list is up to maybe 17 guys. Um so make sure that you are following along at Gators Online. We will have visitor preview for the weekend. We'll have a ton of content coming out as the weekend is playing out in terms of updates uh, from yep. these trips on the Gators Online message board. So I'm telling you guys now, if you're not subscribed and you are a recruiting junkie, um, you're going to be missing out if you're not uh, on our site and on our message board for the coming weeks. So, you know, and we know our countdown about- to kickoff special just launched, $1.00. For three
0: months of access, they will take you right up to uh, to the kickoff, and half off for a year subscription. So if you've been on the if you've been on the fence, if you've clicked one of those Keith Nieber links or one of those Zach Albaverde, Corey Bender links, and they got they hit you with that uh, premium content, you can you can get rid of that page for one dollar right now, or half off on that year that year for this special.
1: No doubt. Definitely encourage you guys to do that and make sure you follow along with all of our coverage educators online. Uh, as we wrap up the show, uh, I want to give out uh, a shout out to our other sponsor, um, Rogue Shop. I want to encourage all Florida fans to go check out RogueShop.com. If you have issues, sleeping, chronic plant pain and or anxiety and stress, uh, Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, smokables and vapes, as well as handcrafted basalt soaps, candles massage oils, pain creams, and topicals. Rogue Shop is a true small business, disabled, veteran-owned, black-owned, woman-owned company. They have five employees, make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. So visit RogueShop.com. That's R-U-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. And I know that on the Gators online message board, they've even got a promotion going on uh, this week from their Memorial Day sale. Um, I think that's still in effect, so make sure that you guys uh, take advantage of that. And obviously, uh, make sure that you guys take advantage of coming to Florida Ballpark this weekend. If you can come out to see the baseball team, they're back once again for the Gainesville Regional uh, after getting the number two overall seed in the tournament and uh, having a great run in Hoover. Uh, Weren't able to win it, but uh, obviously I I think showed some things that, that got momentum kind of headed in the right direction as they get ready for postseason play. Nick, uh, how you feeling going into this weekend? Uh, what are your thoughts about this team and kind of the the matchups that they drew not only in this regional, but kind of the, the teams on their side?
0: Yeah, I think it, I think they did a really good job of um, balancing. I don't really think that I think I don't really think that there's a particular um, regional that I can point to and say, ah, you know what, That one's the easy one, or that one's the one that's extremely hard. Um, so for me, I think it's, it's balanced. Well, I think Florida has a good draw uh, against FAMU, uh, a team that beat 17 to seven earlier in the year. Um, and, and, then I think, you know, after, after that, you'll have to see what is Texas tech and, and what, uh, do UConn look like, but Florida will throw Jack Caglione on Friday. Um, and then you'll have your, top which you two broke. Guys.
1: Yeah. Shout out to and, and
0: then you'll have your top two guys after that. So. um it, it, it sets up well for Florida. The big thing for the Gators when I look at their pitching staff is winning that first game, winning that second game, it's re- going to be really hard to beat Florida two games in a row if they're in the winner's bracket into that Sunday game. So that's going to be key for Florida. The other one, too, is if you like offense, all of these teams can hit. So big challenge for all the pitching staff this week. And please, if you're listening to this, if you're still listening, um, do your anti-rain dance. Please pray for me um hurricane season just started there's a tropical depression in the gulf um you can't play baseball in the rain please please pray away the rain for me Uh, my
1: son my son had his baseball practice canceled today because of rain i drove all the way over there for nothing there you go um so that happens uh so we'll see how things play out this weekend if the gators are victorious they will get the winner of the columbia regional um so a potential uh rematch with south carolina on deck and um don't sleep on the campbell camels
0: in that regional but kentucky is very very good at home
1: yeah no doubt so um we'll see how things play out this weekend obviously make sure you guys are following along with all of nick's coverage at gators online and also again want to give a final shout out to the men's golf team uh you know just an incredible season from the sec title to the individual title and now the team title And uh, definitely a shout out to Keith Neaver as well, who pointed this out uh, at Gators Online. You know, obviously this is huge for the program. Their first national championship since 2001. J.C. Deacon gets the title, but kind of especially, um, you know, a special moment for assistant coach Dudley Hart. And he is a former Gator golfer uh, and was on the team that finished in second place to Arizona State. Uh, only two shots, and uh, Phil Mickelson was on that team uh, that beat the Gators in 1990. So he gets to uh, come back to his alma mater. And not only does he win a title as a, an assistant coach, but he gets to do it with his son, uh, Ryan Hart, who is a, a golfer on the team. I know Nick is a sucker for father-son stories. So um, that was a cool moment for, for dad and son, and, and obviously for this program. Um, you know, They're back on top, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, love a father son story. That was really cool to watch
0: them. Uh so big ups to them. Uh they're all gonna be gone. They're all, you know, a bunch of seniors on the team, a bunch of guys who are gonna turn pro. So a whirlwind lasts 48 hours for them. Uh so congratulations again to them and uh and to my guy JC.
1: Thank you for the gear and congratulations. And now the now the program with the the best golf logo. Um, also is now the 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 best team in the sport so as it should be Um, well we appreciate appreciate you guys uh, listening reading all of our content as gators online and uh, make sure that you guys follow along with all the coverage this weekend from the gainesville regional from the official visits um, everything that's coming out on the uh, team front as well we will see you guys next week to recap all the news for nick del Torre. i'm zach albaverde step into the world of power